This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by myself from the book of Matthew. It is entitled, Bad to Worse. You can find all of our Shabbat messages on our website, as well as wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also subscribe to my dad's weekly essays that he writes. If you put your email in the little email subscribe box on our website, and as usual, our theme music is by my buddy, Evan Shaw. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does lie only away. For soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Go ahead and uh, go to Matthew. Still in Matthew. <clears throat> We're going to be in chapter 24. I don't know if we'll make it through the whole thing. It's kind of long. Um, but we're going to go through the verse, the chapter, and, and talk about things. Um, one, I think it's just, it's it was pertinent then because you had this time when Yeshua was on the earth where it was a, a focal point of change, really. You were going from uh, the corruption of the system, systemic system, religious and political at the time that was going on and then leading into what was going to be God's judgment and the destruction of the temple and the dispersion of the believers into the world. And so these are kind of the words that Yeshua leaves them with or tells them. And I think, and prophesies what's going to be going on in the end times for our own, you know, help and, and discretion and wisdom in these things. Because And I, find, and I think it's so important to to take to heart and to remind ourselves and to review what he says in these situations because I think as we head into the end times, it's similar stuff going on as what was going on then. And I think that's why the, he came when he did. That's why the apostles wrote what they wrote because it was going to be a timeless message and be essentially repeated. And so, um, so on the heels of... So this passage is on the heels of him just tearing the religious leadership to pieces. I mean, absolutely lambasting them. If you go back to the beginning of 23, that's where it starts out and says, Yeshua spoke to the multitude saying to his, and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in the seat of Moses. All therefore whatsoever they did observe and that observed do, but do not ye after their works for they say and do not. And then he goes on and he just tears them to shreds. I find it interesting that there's those in the quote-unquote messianic movement that say, well, that's why we need to obey what the, what the rabbis say in their interpretation of Torah and scripture. But to me, that's just woefully lacking in solid thought because if you go on and you read the rest of the passage, it's clear that he's calling them hypocrites and just you know blind guides and doing everything wrong. And so obviously you wouldn't want to follow their guidance on things that I believe that was his whole point. And what he said was, listen to what Moses said instead of an interpretation of what Moses said, which I find interesting too, because again, what you have going on in today's day and age is 
is Bible translations that in, try to interpret the Word of God for you and tell you how to think about it instead of reading it for yourself uh, and studying it and allowing God and His Spirit to teach you and instruct you based upon, hopefully, your copious understanding of the whole of Scripture because it is a... Uh, oh, where did I heard... I was listening to someone talking about the Bible. Oh, it was Jordan Peterson. And he said the Bible was the first, possibly the first hyperlinked text, which I thought was really interesting, i.e., everything's connected to everything. This is back there, is up there, and it's all intricately connected, and you can't separate out sections of it. And uh, it was just fascinating to think about. And so... Anyway, all that is just kind of pretext, but so you have, so this is on the heels of what he says. So then he leaves the temple. So we'll start in chapter 24. So Yeshua went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Yeshua said unto them, I always find it interesting. Why? Like my only thought is just a quick pause on that is it does say in Psalms to like mark the her bulwarks or like talk about it so i don't know if they maybe they you know maybe on the holy end of the spectrum they were so holy they would be like well we're commanded to like mark you all the bulwarks of the city or whatever and i don't know maybe but it's just interesting to me that he um i'm not sure although he, it's right on the heels of him basically saying uh you know, you should, the Jerusalem is always killing the prophets and your house has left you desolate. So maybe they're point, point, pointing it out thinking like, what parts are dead? You know, I, I'm not sure they're wrapping their minds around all this. Um, but anyway, so he, so he, he, they're like trying to point out the parts of the temple. And he, so he says in the verse two, Yeshua said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall be, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, his disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So they ask him what everybody wants to know. What everybody's all asking now. Like, what are the sign of the times? What's going to be the sign of end? When's your kingdom going to come? You know, how do we know what's going to happen? And the first thing Yeshua says, he answered and said unto them, verse 4, Take heed. That no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Messiah, and shall deceive many. First thing he says to them, take heed that no man deceive you. And what man specifically is those who, I believe to interpret this verse correctly, those who say Yeshua is the Messiah and try to lead you into deception. So, i.e., those of your own midst, those of your own people who say all the right things. They wear tzitzit. They say Yeshua's the Messiah. And blah, blah, blah. And they're the ones who are leading the people astray, whether they realize it or not. And I think it's a systemic problem that we are living out today and don't even realize it. But that's the first thing Yeshua says. What will be the sign of the times? How will we know when the end will come? Take heed that no man deceive you who says I'm the Messiah. That's the first thing he says. He doesn't say, watch out for taxes. He doesn't say, vote in the right president. He, you know, he doesn't say any of these things. He says, watch out for religious people. That's what he says. So that's pretty scary. I don't know. And it gets even better as he goes on. So then he says, 
<clears throat> and shall, so he says, watch out for these people who saying, I am Messiah and shall deceive many. So many shall be deceived, you know, versus few. So you have maybe most people being deceived. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So these wars and rumors of war. But I think what's important to say, we always talk about the wars and rumors of wars, but what's he say? See that you be not troubled. I think that's really important. I think we get so wrapped up in the hysteria of the world and the news cycle and what's going on everywhere and all these wars going on. But how is it really pertinent to our lives, really, in a day-to-day? Since when, so the, when that building blew up in Beirut, did it change any of our lives? Did it affect anything? No. You know, when whoever went to war with whoever, not saying that it's not important and not saying that, you know, lives, people's lives aren't being affected, but... What I'm saying is we are, we are constantly bombarded with information to shape the way we think and we behave with no, that has no real pertinence in our lives. And so I... Oceana's always at war with... Yeah, there's always has to be war. There always has to be war so that we get all worked up and we have a couple minutes of hate and then go back to drinking our victory gin. So this is what happens, right? And this is how you control the populace. So what is Yeshua telling his followers, his kingdom, his people? Don't be deceived. Because what's even more insidious than the powers that be is those from within who will devour you alive. So don't worry about these things, for all these things must come to pass. But the end isn't yet. For nations shall rise against nation, Oceania against Eurasia, and... And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then what's going to happen? Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my sake. So that's kind of interesting. So now he kind of moves into a more nationalistic, global situation. What's going to happen? How's it going to go? What are you going to be? It's just not good. He doesn't say... Some of you will get promoted into high positions of power and you'll be work. <laughs> great, amazing thing. And now he says, this is the opposite. They're going to deliver you up to be afflicted and to kill you. You'll be hated of all nations for my sake. So I guess being a, you know, getting a St. Louis ship passport might not help us, I guess. <laughs> oh, I lost my sock. Hang on. Uh, there we go. Okay. Then, uh, so 10, then shall many be offended and shall be betray one another and shall hate one another. So now what's going to happen? You're going to have a start to have a breakdown within the community, a breakdown in the uh, believing community. So first you're going to have uh, the deception and deceiving from within, right? Then there's going to be a national turn, global turn to try to... Uh, kill the believers. Then there's going to be uh, inner turmoil amidst this this community. Then it just gets, gets even better. And many false prophets. So here now you're going to have the false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. More people are going to deceive because a, back in verse five it said a whole bunch of people were going to deceive, be deceived by people saying that Yeshua is the the Messiah, but but are are false. And twelve and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So you have iniquity abounding amidst all these things. You have deception, 
you have uh, persecution, uh, many being offended, betraying one another, false prophets saying things, people being deceived, iniquity abounding. What does all this speak to? The departure of his people from the word of God and being swayed by foreign influences in, from within and without. 13, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations, and then the end shall come. See, God's a just judge, and he is going to send forth his word as a witness of the truth into all nations everywhere so that none will be blameless, and then the end shall come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso breatheth, let him understand, then let, let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, these, those days shall be shortened. So you have all this turmoil, this flight, destruction, the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel that's going to get set up in the holy place. Not going to try to get into what all that is because I'm not sure I even know. But something that's going to happen with <coughs> this abomination desolation set up, spoken by Daniel. And, and that also happened the first time in the, in the destruction of the temple. And so there's going to be a time to, to, to flee, so to speak. So, but that's right before judgment comes. And except those days be shortened, no flesh would be saved. Except for the elect's sake, those days should be shortened. 23. It gets just, so now there's more deception going on. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Messiah, or there, believe it not. So here's where you have your false Messiah. So verse 5, a lot of people say, uh, many shall come in my name saying, I'm Messiah, and shall deceive many. I believe it's many, in verse 5, it's many shall come saying, Yeshua is the Messiah and, and shall deceive a lot of people. But in verse 20, I think there's going to be people saying, oh, there's the Messiah, there's the Messiah, saying, or maybe saying, I'm the Messiah. But believe it not, for 24, there shall arise false messiahs. So people who are claiming to be the Messiah. And false prophets. And shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So there's going to be signs and wonders, amazing thing. How are you going to determine of what a false prophet is? How are you going to determine what a true sign, what a true wonder is? Is it coming from God? Is it coming from Hasatan? Are they doing great things? You know, should we follow these people? Should we believe these people? Well, the Bible tells us. God gives us a test of a prophet. God gives us a test of these signs, wonders, and dreams. Back in Deuteronomy, he tells us how to determine these things. And basically, it boils down to, do they speak and teach according to the word of God? And if not, we don't listen to them. We don't obey them. We don't follow them. So, what does that entail? You've got to know the word of God to be able to de 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 
differentiate between these people. So they're going to try to deceive even the very elect. So there's not even that many of them. 25, behold, I've told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he's in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he's in secret chambers. Believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So what is he basically saying here? Don't believe anybody. Essentially, unless they speak according to the word of God. And even then, you got to keep them at arm's length and, and continually test what they're saying. Because the first thing he says, take heed lest no man deceive you. So they're going to come saying, I'm the Messiah and lead many astray and deceive many. And so it's from within our very midst, this deception and breakdown and chaos will, will arise. Because who, who's Satan after? The believers. Because he's already has the unbelievers. He doesn't have to worry about them. He can just keep them fat, dumb, and happy. But if he can lure away the believers and destroy and kill and maim more of them, that is his ultimate goal. And he does that through the destruction and, and the um, dilution of the word of God because he did that from the very beginning. Yea, hath God said. Or did God say. Okay. For whatsoever the carcass is, the eagle shall be gathered together. 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be hate. Shaken, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. Learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye... When you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So he's going to send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. So, you know, that seems like it's pretty late in everything, kind of towards the end. It's not... It seems like it's it's later on. So, you know, we it talks about in the Old Testament this greater exodus, but that seems pretty near the end. Uh, not saying if I had the capability, if I had you know Jewish blood DNA in my, I'd be moving to Israel yesterday. But uh, there is going to be an ingathering of God's people, but it's going to be seemingly sometime at the end. So. But more importantly, what he's trying to tell them amidst all these little things that he's, he's informing them is don't be deceived. Cling to the word of God so that you can live and endure to the end. So uh, the parable of the tree, blah, 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 blah. 35, heaven and earth shall not pass away, but my word will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in those days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. 
and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. See, I think amidst all this happening, most of the world, I don't think is even going to realize that it's God's judgment. I think they're going to chalk it up to climate change, global warming, uh, whatever. You know, I think it's going to be anything but God. And so what are we going to do? What we always have done. Go, you know, we need a new energy initiative. We need to, whatever, name your, your, your thing to keep... We, we, we'll overcome even this. We'll persevere through adversity. We can make, you know, the pride of man will continue to rise and, and people will seek to overcome. And so, you know, in spite of all this, we need to continue to live our lives. You know, instead of getting the message that God's trying to send them, repent for you're being judged. And so they're going to be living, marrying, giving in marriage, just like the day of Noah. Uh, until the flood came and took them away. 40. Then shall two be in the house, in the field, sorry. And one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinded at the mill. One shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known uh, in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, you, therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, who his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? So he's going to say, he's, so he's saying, you got to watch, you got to be ready, you got to be diligent. Don't be caught off guard. What, you know, be occupying, doing what you're supposed to be doing. So who is the, that servant? says, Blessed is that servant who his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say to you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to unite, smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder." and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I think it's important to note that. He'll appoint him with a portion of the hypocrites because he just got off saying who all the hypocrites were. The scribes of Pharisees, the religious leadership of the day, who were fleecing the flock, making proselytes twice the person of hell as they were, of appearing to be religious, appearing to be righteous, while leading them, while deceiving the people, leading them down the road to hell. Uh, and that's who we're supposed to be cautioned against. And the only way that happens is through the knowing and the understanding and the reading and the immersion in the, in the, in the, in the word, of, uh, word of God. See, we used to be a culture. We used to be a people that were literally people of the book because during the early Americas, during... Uh, the early days of print, you know, you go back into England and Europe and the Reformed uh, churches in Europe, most of those families, if they had a book, it was the Bible. And that's about all they read. And then they go to church and that's what they heard. And, and so they were a biblical literate culture and people. And we're not now. 
woefully. I mean, I, I uh, uh, consider myself to have grown up in a very solid biblical home and education. And, and this isn't a condemnation, but my understanding of the Bible was so infinitesimal and so minuscule and so poor. And not so much, I think, because of a lack of effort on the part of my parents, but because of the influence of the culture today that we live in that we have to, I believe, fight so much harder against because it pulls at us from every angle and tries to infuse the message of the adversary into our lives from every medium possible. And, and it literally makes us think differently. It affects the way that we think and which affects the way that we act. And so we don't even realize the influence that it has on us just because by nature it does affect us. And so we have to work all much harder because God could have handed out iPads to everyone at Mount Sinai, you know, or in the first century. You know, he could have made all that, but he didn't. He didn't, he, he didn't send images, you know, he sent words, he sent teachings. It was written down. Uh, and, and that, because words are a direct manifestation of thoughts, of what's inside our minds and our hearts and our spirits, it influences directly how we behave and how we think. And the further we get away from words and sentence structure and information that God has given, which is the pure stream, it, we get diluted and it influences and it degrades our, 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 our lives and our behaviors. And that's why I said, Yeshua said, take heed that no man deceive you. Well, what's he going to deceive you with? Words, with information, with now pictures, even worse, because that just hypnotizes us. Um, so, we're in a, very much in a battle, you know. That's why Yeshua said, take heed lest no, uh, no one deceive you. And he who endures until the end shall be saved. Because as you, we read, it doesn't get smoother. It starts out with deception and corruption from within. Then it goes to a national, global persecution of death. And then there's more. And then there's a breakdown in the community. There's chaos and people are backbiting and infighting and turning each other in. And it just really, you see everybody's true colors. Then you get more false prophets that arise and more false messiahs. And so it just goes from bad to worse. Then the only thing we can hang on to is that which God has preserved from the beginning, which is his word, which can give clarity to our thought process. And so we're in a time and a day and an age where we need rest, restoration more than anything because, you know, we don't even realize, I don't even realize how far we've come from far we are away from a biblical culture and a biblical mindset and a biblical thought process. That's why it's hard for us to even read things Lincoln wrote. Because you got to read it wick and slow because just the way he even spoke, you can't even wrap your mind around because we don't have the cognitive abilities anymore because we've been so deluded. You know, we don't even write anything anymore. Uh, anyway, let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for this day, for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. I pray that you would just help us to be in it to read it, to know it, 
to be changed by it, to think deeply, to meditate, that your spirit would move us and change us and, and influence us and that we would be in this world but not be of the world, that we would pull back from the foreign influences that are so pervasive that affect the way we think and that we would then just be nourished with the pure water of your word and be washed and be sustained with that manna from heaven. So, I don't know, help us, God. Strengthen us. We need it now and in the future more than we ever will. And I thank you that you always do walk with us and have provided us your word and your uh, your ways and your spirit and that we can endure into the end uh, if we will trust in you and, uh, and, and, and put the work in that we need to. So I thank you for all these things. In Yeshua's name, amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does Face on the mount of your